what what I envision for this piece of paper that you have is in a couple of weeks, whenever Mitch takes back over, he's actually taking back next week, but but when we're in the thick of it and we're talking about love is not arrogant, um, maybe we can come back to these references and be able to open them up and just look at this overview of of the the church, uh, what the what the letter is about, and, and feel free to maybe like make notes on it and flip it over and write on it and color on it, whatever you'd like to do, um, whatever would be helpful. Everyone's different. Um, I, I say that seriously with the coloring thing. Some people are just visual learners. Some people just, some people it's, uh, I'm not one of them, but some people can go and, and draw something. And then from that point on, they have a, a better idea of what this letter is all about. And, and you know, that's just how people work. So whatever, whatever works for you, however your brain is wired, um, you do you. So, so I do want to do a little recap um, of just about this and, and briefly work through these points so that everyone, we're all kind of caught up with that. Um, so we, we wanted to look at 1 Corinthians as a whole. And so this isn't fail-proof or this isn't perfect. Uh, I think there are maybe there's maybe a better way of doing this, but I thought for our purposes this would probably be an okay way to do it. So we just ran with it, and we just, the letter as a whole. You can actually take it and you can break it up into these different sections. All right, chapters one through four, five through seven, eight through ten, eleven through fourteen, and fifteen. And then sixteen is kind of off by itself. It's kind of like uh, these little personal notes and comments and that sort of thing. But the rest of these sections, uh, there's, there's kind of a typical format to all of these sections, right? So Paul is going to first address the problem, hence the P. He's going to talk about the problem in each of these sections, and then he's going to go to the solution, right? Um, and it's, it's a gospel solution. It's a gospel perspective on, on this problem that the, the Corinthians in particular are having, but can also be something that we, too, as a church, can be struggling with. Um, so, very briefly, we talked about chapters 1 through 4 being about divisions, and the issue was that they were picking sides, they were forming cliques, they were saying, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Jesus, and, and Paul's like, no, no way, no way. We're all belong, we all belong to Jesus. Uh, and we can have unity because of that. We can have unity. We can be strong, uh, un- a strong unit uh, because we belong to Jesus. Not Apollos, not Paul. But we also talked about maybe why that could have been a challenge. Because you see Apollos, for instance, I think... I think Apollos is actually a really key figure in this whole this whole letter because Paul, if you remember, Apollos comes in. Uh, he's he's in Ephesus first, I believe, and then uh, he's taught the more accurate way by Aquila and Priscilla, and then he actually makes his way to Corinth, and then he's in Corinth when Paul leaves to go back to Ephesus. So, Apollos is there, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure if we know how long he's there, 
But the guy was an eloquent speaker. I mean, this guy was, for all intents and purposes, he was, he was a rock star. Okay? And so it's easy, I think, to, when you have a, um, you know, maybe you have a favorite elder. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, bring it to more, like, today thing. Right? It's not about elders. It's not about preachers. It's not about deacons. It's not about my best friend. We all belong to Jesus. Okay? Chapters 5 through 7, we talked about the main issue in there being about sexual immorality. One of the, one of the wrinkles in this kind of uh, an approach to the letter is that chapter 6 actually talks about uh, suing each other. I mean, like, Tom suing Talon, right? I mean, that's, that's what these people were struggling with. And we didn't really get to that a whole lot, right? Um, but I think overall, right? So just throwing that out there. The issue was that there was a tolerance for it, right? There was a tolerance of sexual immorality in the church. Not, and not only in the church, but also, you know, just their, their view of it. They're, they have this, we, I think it was Mike who looked back and said, you know, hey, there's this temple to Aphrodite who is the goddess of love and, and lust and passion and pleasure. And, and so, yeah, you see, you see there's a, there's a distortion of what it means to be <coughs> sexually pure and, and taking something that God meant to be good and twisting it into something that's not, um, which is everything. If you if you really think about it, we do that with food. I think um, gluttony, the whole. But anyway, that's a whole another that's a whole another topic. But there was there was a tolerance for it, and and the result of it was that there were physical, there were spiritual, their bodies, their minds, their relationships, their reputations that were all being affected negatively. Right? They were suffering. Because of this, okay, and Paul's solution is, we're the temple of God. This is where, we, we are where God is, okay, and if we are where God is, this can't be where he is either, okay, so it's one or the other. Um, let's move on, chapter 8 through 10, we talked about just food, and it, and it had more to do with this Gentile versus Jew kind of thing difference where you had meat being offered to idols and idols I mean, what are idols they're they're not they're not anything they're just wood they're just stone they're just something that a man made right but so it, it doesn't really matter what the, the food is but some people don't understand that in the church and outside of the church if somebody sees you, somebody outside the church sees you eating meat offered to idols, what are they going to be thinking? Oh, we can worship this God and this God, and it's all good. That's a problem. You're causing a stumbling block, right? So the problem was we were, people, the, the Christians were taking advantage of their liberties. It was within their right to be able to eat these meats, because these are just idols, they're not anything. They're just stone, right? But you can become a stumbling block. And so the solution was 
Paul says, look, I've enslaved myself to God, and, and I'll never eat meat again. Never touch it, ever again, if that's what will bring the most glory to God um, and will strengthen the church. Okay, chapters 11 through 14, we talked about the gathering. We talked about this is just when everyone comes together. There were some things that were going on. People were not being very orderly, and people were looking back to chapters 1 through 4. They were being divisive. And so there was, a, there was a lot of selfishness. There was a lot of confusion and disorder. And the solution is chapter 13, right? And that's what we're going to get into later on um, in this class. And so we'll uh, cut it off there for now. Chapter 15, rounding out with the issue of the, the resurrection. And, and the issue was that there, was a, there were people in the church who were denying that the, the resurrection was a thing. Um, that Jesus wasn't actually raised from the dead. And, and so the issue is that not only are we talking about something that's not true, but you have people believing it. And because of that, people's whole, I mean, I'll tell you, there, there are days when, like, this is the only thing that gets me out of bed, okay? Um, this world doesn't offer a whole lot to everybody. Nobody. Okay? Um, there's a 100% chance that you're going to die at some point in your life. Um, I think it's kind of, kind of funny, but it's actually like, I don't know. That's, that's the reality. And so, when you upset the faiths of, of people, when you're, when you're saying these kinds of things, and you're upsetting people's faiths by saying that there is no resurrection, this, this is monumental. Like, this is huge. And Paul just outrightly, I mean, he has this beautiful argument where he says, okay, first of all, this was the most important thing that was given to me. Second of all, there are all of these people who saw the risen Jesus, right? Most of whom are still alive today. If you want to go talk to them, go ahead. We don't have that luxury. But they did. And then thirdly, he goes into this long argument about, okay, let's just say he wasn't raised from the dead. And what are you doing here? Go eat, drink, and be merry. There's no point in, in enslaving ourselves to something that's not going to benefit us in the end anyway. And so the solution that Paul offers, he says, no, resurrection is the real deal. And without it, nothing else matters. Okay. Whirlwind of information. Everybody good? Any questions? Any comments? Do we just need to like do some jumping jacks or everybody? I do need to. Somebody talk so I can take a drink. My straw's not working. So. I noticed last time that that really the certainly selfishness and. It is the core of really most of these things that they're going through, and that in reality, every single one of these, the solution is very directly love. But they were yeah. not only were they picking sides, but they were competitively picking sides and trying to cut each other down and jack each other up. And, and he's like, no, loving each other means putting yourself under the other people and joining together. It's not like that. The sexual immorality is like, hey, you're 
you're doing that with somebody else's wife. You know, you're you're <laughs> messing with them. You're trying to you're fighting and devouring each other because of your desires. And bring it even closer. It's not not necessarily just somebody else's wife. Think about the person, that other person, the other party involved. I mean, yeah. what are you doing to their minds and their bodies and their psyche? I mean, what is this? We're we're leaving scars, and that's certainly not love. Certainly not. Yeah. And it's just love, 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 love is the solution all the way around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That was what they were missing, obviously, yeah. which is why it's an indictment. Yeah. So, if we were to just look at these sections, and I think it's pretty clear that these people had like a lot of issues going on in, in their church, okay? I want you to think back, though. Remember, like these are real people, right? And these are... People who I I believe in my own heart that they they were trying to do what's right and they were trying to live a godly life, but they just allowed the culture, they allowed the time to get in and influence them um, in ways that they shouldn't have let. Uh, it's no different today. It's no different. Yeah, and and that's that's what I really want to impress upon everyone is that these are real people with their real struggles just like us okay but if you actually like go back uh, I went back and I I was reading first Corinthians for for some reason what I, what I ended up doing uh, to prepare for this class is I would, I would read through first Corinthians and I would think oh man I wonder like what Paul says about this and so I I would just like write it down and then I would go back and like reread First Corinthians like with that perspective. And I probably did that like twenty times. I don't know. It is really not that hard, okay. First Corinthians is really not that long of a of a letter. But one of the things that I, I decided to do was to look back and see where what issues does Paul allude to everywhere throughout. Alright, so he talks about divisions and he talks about sexual immorality and these these other issues, but but there's actually way more. There's way more, and I just want to read some of them off to you. Okay. Uh, so they were divisive. They were contentious. They were being judgmental. There was pride. There was arrogance. There was entitlement. And I have like eight scriptures uh, just in First Corinthians on that note right there. That was a big deal. Um, they were power hungry. They were deceivers. They were slanderers. They were introducing doubt into the church regarding the resurrection, but they were also introducing doubt uh, regarding Paul's authority, his character, trying to belittle him, trying to um, discredit what he was trying to teach. Uh, the sexual immorality, there was tolerance for it, right? But I, I and here's where I, I, I would like to, somebody turn to 1 Corinthians 5. Um, somebody read verse 2. And then skip down to verse 6 for me. 1 Corinthians 5. And you are arrogant, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Okay, and then verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Yeah, thank you. So did you did you catch that? Not only was there sexual immorality, not only was there a tolerance for it, they were proud of it. That, like, that just shocked me. 
that befuddled me because I'm just thinking, like, how are you? How are you proud? Like, your boasting is not good. There's, there's arrogance. And, and it's right in the thick of that Paul addressing sexual immorality. If you keep going, uh, there was greed that comes up in chapter 6. There's idolatry. There's envy. They weren't grounded in truth, according to chapter 15, verse 12. There was no knowledge of God, chapter 15, verse 34. And then, not to mention 1 Corinthians 13, where you have love is patient, love is kind. And we talked about how that's a really pretty chapter, but in reality, that must have been a gut punch to these people. And the reality was that, okay, they were being unkind. They were being impatient. And so, I mean, you can just go through that and look at all those positive qualities and realize those were positive qualities that Paul is trying to bring to their attention and to reverse because they had the opposite. They weren't doing those things. Well, John, but he does contrast that. So he'll say love is kind, where you said there, but then he said it doesn't envy. Yeah, so, 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 he's so, the op- so it's just the opposite, sin. though. But, but what I'm so, saying is, it doesn't envy, okay, but they are envying. Yes. Right, so that's, exactly. yeah, so you can go through that whole thing and just take the opposite, and that's what they were doing. And that's what they were doing. Yeah. Whereas they so, should have been doing the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, he's doing your, here's your prop, here's, here's your solution, but here's the problem. I'm giving yeah. you the solution, but your problem is, you're in this state. Yeah, yeah. And so... What's the significance of bringing up all these issues? I think there's one big point, and there are probably tons of them, but I I just want to bring up one. Paul believed in these people. Uh, Paul didn't give up on these people. Regardless of all of the ugliness. I mean, if you think about it, like if you go back and read through... This was another reason why I read through it. He calls them brothers, I think like 20 or 30 times. I mean, it's unreal. Calls them brothers. He didn't give up on them, right? He believed in the power of agape love. Um, If love could solve all their problems, it can surely solve ours, right? So, Let's leave it there, because I've got a lot more to do. I spent too much time doing this stuff. But I would like to, uh, and we'll just, this. I would like to look at chapters 12 through 14, just very briefly. Uh, so we, we zoomed out for an overview of, of 1 Corinthians as a whole, but now I'd like to zoom in a little bit on 12 through 14. Uh, so go ahead and open up there, and we won't, we won't read it for the sake of time, but I would like to just talk about what they're about. Uh, so chapter 12, somebody tell me what's going on. Um, it, it talks about like serving the idols again, and Paul talks about how there's one Lord, and how, how there may be different aspects of that one Lord, but it's still one Lord. Okay, so he, he talks about there being one Lord because there were those divisions that were going on, mm-hmm. right? So you have Paul saying, look, the church is made up of a bunch of different body parts. 
lot of different members in the church, and it's designed that way. It's designed so that everyone is different. It's designed so that everyone brings something different to the table. There's no, no body, right? Uh, two separate words. No body will tell itself, okay, like, okay, I don't need this pinky finger. I really don't use it a whole lot. No, nobody says that, okay? Um, and, and then when you hurt your pinky finger, then you realize just how much you actually do use it, okay? And that's the whole point. That's the whole function of the body is that, and he talks about this, um, I forget where exactly, but he starts talking about the, the member that's lacking is actually given mo- more honor because of it as a result. Um, yeah, do you have I do. Um, so, thinking of the whole chapter and the body being many members, um, in the context of love, when your body doesn't love itself, <laughs> you end up with the, a disease. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm a type 1 diabetic. It's an autoimmune disorder. My body decided my own pancreas was garbage and it needed to kill it. Yeah. And so now I have a disease. So if one member of the spiritual body decides that they don't like or don't appreciate another part, then it's disease within the church. And, and what's the result of that, if you don't mind me? I mean, you don't have to get like into detail, but what, what's the result of your body saying, oh, I don't need this part? Physically, I have to I wear an insulin pump. I have to stab my fingers five times a day. I have yeah. to. And you know better than anyone it doesn't, else. It doesn't function optimally. Okay. It doesn't function the way it was designed to function. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, it's really good insight. I really appreciate that. Um, so chapter 12 talks about we... Being optimal, um, optimal function. And they can die. I just want to point that out. He was. That's a that's a risk for anyone with a, that kind of problem. And also of this church, this church could die. Yeah. Which he, which he is really afraid of. Actually, you see in Second Corinthians, he was afraid that they weren't going to make it. So, yeah, yeah, great, great thoughts. Um, so yeah, there's there's optimal function because of diversity, not in spite of this diversity. Okay, and so and then we come around to chapter, and that's there's more to it, but chapter thirteen is our chapter, right? And that's the one where and. and Paul kind of breaks it up into three different sections. Okay, he starts out saying that um, how worthless everything else is. Um, the worthlessness of everything. Without love. And then goes on and gets you guys. Can't really see that. Sorry. 
Okay. So number one, right? The anything that is done, if there's not love in it, it's worthless. Right? It's worthless. And then he goes on to say, okay, this is what love is. <coughs> and then at the end, what does he talk about? Yeah, but keep going. But the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest love? The rest are useless without it. The rest are useless, and there will never stop being a need for love. The other ones are temporary. Everything that he talks about in that last section is when he was a child and when it was incomplete, and now when it's complete. This is what it's about. And we're not looking in a mirror anymore. Like, this is face-to-face. -face. Okay, this is permanence. This is, this is, this is continual. Love is who God is. It says God is love. And if we don't have love, we don't have God. Yes, ma'am. You're right. And I've also come to look at the the way he says that when I was a child, I think as a child, there's growth involved now. All of these little traits that you have are childish. You're, you're, you're mm -hmm. digressing back to not a mature adult. So we put away childish things in order to grow, go forward and to build ourselves up in a different type of person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's all. Yeah, that's all fleshed out, and that why why it's so important for us to pursue it. Yeah, that closing because it's it's permanent. There's a continual need for love. Okay, and then chapter fourteen. Um, We're just chapter cruising. Chapter fourteen is like just about like consistency and order because it talks about speaking mm -hmm. with the different tongues um, and how with that many different tongues, their languages speaking, how can there be consistency mm -hmm. within the body? Yeah, yeah. So it's more, he kind of almost like picks up from chapter, in chapter 14, he almost kind of picks up from chapter 12 where he left off. There's this little section in the middle, chapter 13, uh, where it, it well, well, we'll get, we'll get to that just a, a little bit. But it's more practical stuff, right? And it's the purpose is for edification. We're building each other up. So, side note, real, really quickly. Um, since gifts of tongues have ceased and we don't prophesy anymore, uh, what practical application can we draw from chapter 14? Because what Paul does is he, he just runs through and he just says, you know, okay, if, if somebody has a tongue and they're speaking, like, there's no point in speaking unless there's somebody there to interpret. Like, if somebody walks into your assembly and they don't speak your language and you're trying to tell them the gospel, it's kind of hard when you're not speaking their language. But if, if somebody's there to speak a tongue and they can speak that language, um, then yeah, like... Teach them the gospel. But if there's nobody in there who speaks Spanish, but somebody wants to go and 
speak Spanish just because they have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, don't. There's no point. Because it's all, it's all aimed at edifying the church. At building up the church. Right? So what's the, what's the practical application for us? I would say, gifts or no gifts, it's all about the church. It's all about building up the church. And I, it doesn't really matter like what you're good at, uh, as long as you do it. Okay? You don't have to be good at public prayer. You don't have to be good at leading singing. You don't have to be good at doing maintenance on the building. But whatever it is that you are good at, do it. For this purpose, for edification. Yeah. Some practical application that I would make is if we have like a visitor who comes in and and in to one of our worship services, it's fine if they if they speak, but it has to be the same tongue that that we're speaking at the congregation. So if they're they've like say like they've never read the gospel and they aren't a Christian and that's not good. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Are there any other comments? I want to get into uh, just kind of the way that kind of the way that I wanted to organize these classes is it, it didn't leave a whole lot of room for application until the end. So I'd like to get into one of those today and then on Wednesday is going to be all application. And I'm I, that's where I that's where I love to camp out, but I really wanted to get some of this other stuff um, in our brains. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. Okay, if if someone were to come to our service this morning and they ask why they, they notice that we don't use instruments in our worship. Um, and they come up and ask you and they say what? Why is it that you don't use instruments? And I just, I don't know, I'd just like to hear what you think. I mean, where, where might you go in the scriptures? Anybody? Colossians 3.16. Yep. Anything else? Ephesians. Where in Ephesians? 5.19. Okay. So in the same way, are there any others that we can think of? Even chapter 14 talks about playing the trumpet and... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so First Corinthians yeah. 14 talks about uh, there being sense, or there being purpose behind if, if a, there's a bugler in war, right, and he calls out a... a a phrase that doesn't mean anything, if it's just random notes, it doesn't convey anything, it's worthless. Right. Yeah. Um, are there any other... Thing, if, if somebody asks about instrumental music, is there anywhere else we would go? Well, when you have a specific question like that, it's good to answer it, but it's also good to say why we do... I mean, start at a different spot, like why we do yeah, I'll, I'll just, just for the sake of, like, right now, I'm just looking for, like, places where we would go. 
This is about this is about what I come up. I, I didn't have any anything else other than this. Now, if I were to ask you, on the flip side, in the, in the same way, if somebody asked you why, you know, if if they came to our congregation and saw, man, you're so unified. There's just a love that that is so obvious and so blatant. Um, why why is that? Why 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 is love so important? Where would you go? First Peter four eight. Okay. First Peter four eight. What does what does that say? Well, at the end it says love covers a multitude of sins. Okay. Um. All right. I can dig that. John three sixteen. Okay, but I, that kind of deals with how God so loved the world. Um, why do we love each other? That's kind of that's good. That's good though. First Corinthians thirteen, right? What we're going to be talking about? Do you, John fifteen. There's actually I want to write these down real quick. Just, these are just some of the ones that I. I we love saw. each other because God loved us. Is kind of what we're saying. God is God is love. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, and, and you're right with John, John three sixteen. You're you're absolutely right. I'm just there's a trying to get specific. I I know where I'm going, and you don't. So I'm kind of you know. So that's that's where it's kind of tricky. John, um, John, yes, Philippians two, one through four. You got that one on your list? I do not. But. Uh, I would I would really encourage you guys to write all these down. I, I want to be, and I want to be totally honest with you. When I started thinking about this, and and I thought you know instrumental music, what I did in my brain was <laughs> Ephesians five nineteen, Colossians three sixteen. I knew like right off right off the top of my head. When I started to think about why. Love is important in the church. It took me a while to just come up with 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm teaching a class on it right now. Well, I hope you have John 15, because Jesus is so focused on that. <laughs> well, and, that, and therein is, you know, and there's... Here's, here's the deal, is that I, I want you to notice... What what's going on here? If you can if you can see, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts and Luke, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and you can keep going. You can go 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 through virtually every letter, every gospel every work in the New Testament, and you can find where love and unity is important. If being able to give a defense for your conviction regarding instrumental music is important, which I believe it is, I want to be clear there, I do believe that's important. How much more important is having a conviction to love this group of people in an otherworldly manner in order to promote unity 
and edification. And yet, which one of these gets most of our attention more often? For me personally, it's the instrumental music stuff. And it's important. Don't yeah, I don't don't take away from this that that our conviction about instrumental music isn't important. That's not the point. The, the point is that this, if that's important, this is at least equally as important. But I'm pretty sure I can make a pretty good argument that this is actually more important. So what's wrong with using instruments? I just don't think it's authorized. I mean, I just don't, just don't think you see it in the scriptures. Um, I think where we're commanded to sing. Sing with your heart, making melody. Yeah, so I mean it's... When you take it for what Paul is trying to say, and what Paul, if, if Paul has the authority, and this is a big conversation, um, and we're already out of time. Um, why don't we talk about that? Uh, we, can, we can chat about that right now if you want. Um, are there any other comments? I'm already keeping you guys late. Everybody good? Alright. You do have homework. Feel free to walk and go, but memorize 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all you do be done in love. Easy. Easy peasy.